When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Tuesday, May 23rd, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking Royals baseball today with columnist Sam McDowell, beat writer Jalen Thompson, and reporter Pete Gradhoff. The Royals shuffled the batting order a little bit in the series opener with the Detroit Tigers, and when we recorded this show on Tuesday morning, they hadn't announced a starting pitcher for the day's game, so we covered those topics. But we spend most of our time discussing long-term contracts. The Royals said goodbye to Hunter Dozier on Monday, designating him for assignment, which means they'll eat about $15 remaining on his deal that lasts two more years. That's relevant for a couple of reasons, the most important of which is the Royals have some young players like Vinny Pasquantino, who the team will consider locking up for the long term. What are the risks and rewards of such decisions? Sam, Jalen, and Pete and I discuss, starting now. The gang is all here. Uh, It's great to see all of you guys, and we got some Royals baseball to talk about. Let's start with uh, last night's game with 8-5 to loss to the Detroit Tigers in 10 innings, the first game of a homestand. They had just come off of a a road trip in which the Royals went 2-7, and dropped the series, got swept, at Milwaukee, one, two, or three at San Diego, got swept by the Chicago White Sox and uh, came home. I thought they were set up to win last night with Brady Singer. Did not happen, but I thought some of the couple of interesting things happened. And we're going to spend a lot of time talking about one of them. That's the Hunter Dozier uh, DFA. But first, uh, Jalen, I wanted to ask you about the lineup shuffling. Uh, Bobby Witt did not hit leadoff. Uh, in the series opener against the Tigers. He was put down six, I think, in the order. What did uh, Matt Quattrero say about shuffling the lineup? Yeah, uh, Matt Quattrero, he was saying that he wanted to build the lineup to be able to to kind of balance it a little bit when he was facing the Tigers pitching staff. And he had six lefties in the lineup. So if you kind of look at it, having Bobby Witt hit first in the lineup would mean a whole bunch of lefties would be coming up. And so he kind of balanced it by putting Nick Prado up there as a left-handed hitter. And then you had Salvi batting third, which was a right-handed hitter. So I'd kind of break up the lefty-lefty kind of split. But personally, I think it's more of trying to give Bobby Witt a chance to, you know, have see, see more pitches in, in his sequence and kind of get back going again. Um, after yesterday's game, I believe he's one for 16 in his in his last couple. So um, he's kind of struggling at the plate. So you move him down a little bit. You allow him to see more pitches, maybe have a better approach at the plate, have some traffic in front of him, because that would kind of force him to, you know, try to hit the ball, drive some more runs in. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a long-term fix. It might, it might just be temporary, but 
That's what they were saying after the game yesterday. First yeah, off, just, go yeah, ahead, well, Sam. Go ahead. Well, so the Bobby Witt leadoff thing has been um, a conversation piece, I guess we'd say, in Kansas City because he's not a prototypical leadoff hitter. But to me, it's one more sign that the Royals are not trying to win now. Um, I mean, they want to get Bobby Witt as many at-bats and plate appearances as possible. Obviously, the leadoff hitter hits more than anybody else. But at some point, you just have to gauge whether or not it becomes part of his mentality. And, and like Jalen said, he's struggling right now. And you're looking for something to change up. And potentially dropping him down will change things up. He's not going to be hitting six that this – core group is going to be one that that drives them to be a 500 team or contention you can't have bobby witt jr hitting six in your lineup he's a two hitter a three hitter a four hitter a five hitter um but i don't think he's a leadoff hitter you know if the royals are trying to win a game on may 22nd nick prado makes a lot more sense to lead off because he sees more pitches he gets on base at a much higher clip 14 percent right now um than bobby witt jr does but that's not the Royals' prerogative right now. You know, they want to give Bobby Witt Jr. as many at-bats as possible. And whatever this season entails, they've got to get Bobby Witt Jr. right. He has to be part of the solution going forward if there is going to be a solution with this group. Look, I I, I think part of it is take a little pressure off of Bobby Witt right now. He, he just, you know, I, I, I covered a few games, uh, Royals games, I think it was late April down in Texas, in a stretch in which he had at least three hits a game for three straight games. And in that series, I think he had 11 hits and was really swinging the bat well. And that has not been the case lately. And I, I see a lot of lack of plate discipline with him, swinging at bad pitches. And um, he, he's become an easy out, to to be frank about it. I, I think maybe just just get him out of the, the one hole and uh, – and, 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 um, you know, take a little pressure off. It didn't help last night. I think he went hitless in the loss to, to yeah. the Tigers. So, um, yeah, I, I, listen, he, he's got to grow into his role. He's, listen, he's still, a, what, is he 21, 22? I, I don't know what his age is, but still really young. Yeah, and you're right, Blair. I mean, because, uh, you know, his chase rate is the second highest on the team. Anytime Salvi is on any Major League Baseball team, he's going to be leading that team in chase rate. <laughs> Um, but Bobby Witt Jr. is second, and he just has to swing at better pitches. And I do think that's something that can be improved. It would be more worrisome if he was swinging and missing a lot at pitches in the zone. That is something I think you'd worry, is it correctable? Chase rate, you know, we see young hitters do this, and it's just the cat and mouse game that we talk about all the time of pitchers making adjustments. And right now, he is getting pounded on the inner half of the plate. And – it's not working with his approach at the plate. And so that's the part he's got to figure out. And the guys who thrive at this level make those adjustments quicker. You know, I think Bobby Wood Jr. eventually makes this adjustment, but, you know, the, the guys that become perennial all-stars are the guys that make this adjustment in a few days. And we're talking about, a you know, a, a few weeks now that, that Bobby Wood has seen the same sort of struggles and for the same reason. Yeah, All right. yeah I, I agree with that. And – you know, there's an old adage that says you can't steal first base. So, I mean, for all the speed that he has, he has to get on first base to, to utilize that. And personally, I, I agree with Sam. I think that long term, he should be a number two hitter. That way that there's someone that can be in front of him that can get on base. He can see the bulk of fastballs, 
or things of that nature that he can really um, thrive internal. So that's where I think he probably should ultimately end up, but it just depends on if they're willing to do that. I think he's still a future star. I, I think he's a he'll be he's an he'll be an all star player for the Royals. We'll talk in a minute about uh, whether he is uh, going to be locked up for a long term contract. Uh, but but the other uh, the other issue is the rotation. And I, I look at the Royals probables, and I don't know who this TBA guy is, <laughs> but uh, uh, he's getting a lot of starts here lately. Pete, what uh, what what's going on with the rotation? Well, they got two of their original five from the. Opening day on the IL, if it doesn't help, Brad Keller went on it um, last week, and uh, they want to see how bad his shoulder is. He's obviously not pitched well this season. Too many walks have really bit him big time this year. Jalen wrote a good story about that last week. Um, so, yeah, they don't, they don't have a lot of good solutions to, to come in behind him. I, I would say Daniel Lynch is going to be up here by the weekend at the latest, would be my guess. And, um, as for who's going to start tonight, they've, they've just had a lot of bullpen games. And unfortunately, they had one last night they didn't intend to because Brady Singer has also not pitched well. And that's been one of their big problems this year. He had such a breakout season last year, and he's just regressed back. It's been really disappointing if you're a Royals fan to, to see his performance this season. So, um, yeah, injuries, and they, they've got some problems with the rotation. Heck, they had problems with the rotation entering the season, as far as I was concerned, and it just um, um, it just hasn't hasn't resolved itself. But the, listen, at, at times the starters have been pretty good, and you can certainly pick out some games in which Zach Greinke has thrown well. I was I covered the game where uh, his first win of the year went five innings and threw forty four pitches and, and got the W. That was that was incredible. Um, but, uh, but but it's just not it, it's, you you you're just piecing it together with the rotation now. And uh, I know that when the Royals were building a, a championship team uh, a dozen years ago, 10 years ago, uh, they, they basically overhauled the starting staff from 11 and 12 into 13, 14 and 15. I think that's, what's going to have to happen. Right. Uh, with, with, with one or two exceptions is Brady Singer, what, what Daniel Lynch, what are their roles in, in this going forward? Um, and we'll we'll talk about that when we come back from a break. We're taking the break early today because I do want to spend some more time talking about uh, long-term contracts for the Royals. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're back on Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast, and we're talking Royals baseball with beat writer Jalen Thompson, reporter Pete Gradhoff, and columnist Sam McDowell. The other big piece of news that happened on Monday was uh, involved Hunter Dozier. He was designated for assignment, which means he was the Royals bid farewell to him, and unless someone picks him up, uh, he the Royals are going to eat – what is it, Pete? Is it about $15 million of his contract, something like that? Yeah, 15, 15 or so. 
Yep. So uh, the Royals signed Hunter Dozier to a long-term contract, a four-year deal, back in uh, 2021. He had had the good season in 2019, 26 homers, about an 870 OPS, uh, really nice season. Uh, tied for the American League lead in triples that year with 10. So power and speed he showed. And um, look, he was going to be the he was going to be the Mike Mustakas replacement for the Royals, right? He was going to shift right in there at third base, and the Royals had that taken care of. And he has just not been the player that he was in 2019. The Royals had seen enough. Uh, it was time to bring Nicky Lopez back, and they needed to create a roster spot, and that spot was created by bidding farewell to Hunter Dozier. So, all right, let, let, let's spend a moment talking about the Dozier career. Um, does anybody have any idea what went wrong with Hunter Dozier and why it ended so poorly for him? Yeah, swing decisions. I mean, he, he doesn't recognize a pitch early enough in a sequence and just consistently swings at, at bad pitches, but also takes a lot of strikes. I mean, just it's just an inability to to recognize pitches quickly enough. And yet he had that one year. He had the, you know, that was an all-star type season for him. That was, you know, he hit like 280, 26 homers, 80, I think it was 84 RBIs. That's That's the season of a third base all-star. Uh, and could not uh, could not capitalize on that, but the Royals were seduced by it, right? And that's why he got the the long term deal in, in, after the stri- after the COVID year of 2020. So, all right, is that a warning sign? Because the 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 conversation with the, the only really the only interesting conversation with the Royals right now is what uh, how to approach the futures of Bobby Witt Jr. Vinny Pasquantino, MJ Melendez, Brady Singer. I think those are the four at the top of any kind of list that you'd consider for a long-term deal. Am I missing somebody, Pete, or is that, is, is that about it? No, that'd be my top four. If yeah. If has continues to hit this season, I would put him up there too. He's, uh, he's having a great year. He is having a very nice year at the plate, and he's a better defensive player than Vinny Pasquantino at, at first base. So that is one to keep an eye on. But – the Hunter Dozier long-term contract did not work, and this is the Sam. You wrote about it, a really nice column yesterday that will uh, that will post with this uh, story. But it is it is a total risk reward decision for the Royals. The Royals have to decide whether they believe enough in these young players to give a long-term contract, and the player has to you know, has to believe enough in himself to to understand if this is the right time to sign a long-term deal, uh, bet on himself, so to speak. Um, what, where, where do things stand? What Conversations are, are happening, correct, between the Royals and, and these young, this young talent? Well, I mean, conversations are happening internally. Like the Royals internally discuss these options, you know, frequently. Um and sure, I mean, they they keep in contact with the representatives of these players, but the Royals don't really have enough guys forcing this issue. You know, I think a last year when the Braves started to lock up all of their young stars, there was this perception that the Royals should maybe follow suit. And obviously the Mariners did with Julio Rodriguez as well. But the Braves are in a much different situation. Their young stars were were leading them to division titles, were leading them to a World Series. 
the Royals don't have that. I mean, the Royals are 12 and 35. And it does surprise me a little bit that there's this perception that the Royals should keep this group together and let's do it now. They're not winning. And and frankly, not performing. And there's not enough of the young guys that have this consistent data that shows that, hey, we know for sure this guy is going to be rock solid for us during the final years of his arbitration. Let's lock him up now. You don't, I mean, I mentioned this in the column, the sport breeds inconsistency. So you're never going to have a sure thing. But you you talk about those four guys, Blair, because I absolutely agree. Those are the four guys. Bobby Witt Jr. has a career on base percentage of 288. He's only played a year and a half. That's all the major league data you have on the guy. Um, and by the way, Bobby Witt Jr. knows he's better than that. He has no interest in, in now being the time that he he sets his market. Brady Singer had a great year last year, like Pete mentioned. His ERA is seven and a half this year through 10 starts. And was disappointing he's, last night. Yeah, I mean, he's the only guy that's probably played long enough to where you feel like you might have enough data on him. But his three years outside of last year, his ERA is like 5.1. Mm-hmm. So it's not consistent data. Then you look at MJ Melendez and his situation is the most interesting because I think he might be the closest to what he's going to be as far as his hard hit rates good, you know, his metrics are good, but you don't want to pay him like a catcher if he's going to play corner outfield for you. And then that leaves Vinny Pasquantino to where if we're having this conversation about a guy that the Royals should be having their conversations with, I'd say it's Vinny Pasquantino. I think they should feel most confident about what he does because, you know, he walks he more than he strikes out. I think what his numbers that he puts up uh, lead you to believe that he's going to have sustained sustain success. But he's played less than a year in the major leagues. He still has five years left under arbitration. So it's still early. Like if the Royals did this next year with Vinny Pasquantino, it would still be early. And so I think that's why they don't follow what the Braves' path has been is because they don't have the players that the Braves do. They don't have the consistent data that the Braves do. They could develop into them, and that is part of the risk the Royals are taking. If they develop, if Bobby Witt develops, if MJ Melendez develops, that price does go up. But when you're a small market, I think you have to be more certain because you can't afford to make mistakes. You know, And, and obviously, Hunter Dozier is, is a mistake. Yeah, I would agree with that, Sam. And I, I personally, I think that being able to let them build their value is actually a good thing because let's say, for instance, they do build their value up. And if these are guys that you want to keep, then you keep the ones that you can afford, but the ones you can't, you use them to recoup and rebuild your farm system and turn over that sustained success that you want to see. Um I like I said, I'm sure they would love to keep all four, and that's what they want. That's their group, and they want to roll with that. But like you said, we haven't seen enough tape on the field for almost any of those guys. So I feel like, yeah, continuing to just grow and and keep going forward, just allowing them to play it out and just be Major League Baseball players is what I think they should do. Um, Like you said, with the Braves, the contract talks were big for Michael Harris. And um, Spencer Strider, because they showed it at a consistent level all the way up through the minors. They skipped levels. Like, those are players when you can skip a level in the minor leagues and get here and then show that on the field. 
yeah, you pay those guys. They 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 showed that. But these Royals, I don't think they've shown that yet, like you said. So I think you just you waited it out. I do think the Michael Harris one's an interesting case because I think Michael Harris is most similar to what some of these Royals guys are now. And you look at Michael Harris, he's 22 years old um, for the Braves, and he's hitting like 150 this year. And that shows you the flip side of uh, like not all of these deals are team friendly deals. They look that way because when you see what uh, Xander Bogart signs for in the offseason and then you compare it to what the Braves get, you know, Austin Riley for, there's a wide gap, but you're buying out arbitration years. Like you're buying out team controlled years. You're not, it's not free agency that has forced this issue to the table. It's, it's the team motivation and team belief in a player. But they don't all work out. The Royals just, if they do something like this, have to have a much higher percentage of them work out. Like Hunter Dozier's $9 million next year is probably not going to significantly alter the Royals' plans next offseason. But if you get two guys like that on your books that have $18 million and you're a small market team, that is going to alter your ability to navigate free agency in the offseason. And another another guy, we, we talk a lot about the Braves, but – the Mariners last year with Julio Rodriguez, slam dunk player of the year, rookie of the year last year, right? They gave him a $210 million contract extension, buyout those years, could be worth what, 470. And this year he's hitting 216. He's got a 687 OPS. You know, <laughs> uh, that, that deal doesn't look so great now. I mean, he can turn it around. He could end up being what he was last year, going forward every year. But it, it is, a, there's caution when you give out those big contracts. It, it, Pete, that's a great point because it's not – I think Julio Rodriguez will end up being worth that contract. But the Mariners have already overpaid regardless, even if he does become worth that contract, because he would be cheaper today than he was when they signed that deal. And because when they signed that deal, all they had was three-quarters of a year of data on him. And now they've got a year and a half, and the data is different. And – you know, Blair, you and I talked about this last night, but Vinny Pasquantino, Van Graaff wrote an article about his value on May 11th. And at that time, his career OPS was like 860, 870, actually, I think it was. The next 11 days, he went three for 37. His career OPS dropped 70 points <laughs> in 11 days. And now the picture of Vinny Pasquantino, I just would have been interested to know what they had determined his worth was if they had waited those 11 days, because when, when you don't have three years or three seasons worth of playing experience, one bad week can really change your career numbers. And that's the risk when you sign a guy early on is if you sign him at his peak, you're paying top dollar. Like Pete just mentioned with Julio Rodriguez. If you sign him when he's cheap, the player probably doesn't want to come to the table at that point. Well, Pete, uh, you've had this conversation with Vinny, right? You backed him in a corner in Chicago and demanded answers from him. <laughs> what did What did Vinny tell you uh, when you talked about it? Uh, yes, I did. I, I jumped on him after his uh, to to ask him about his interview with on Sirius XM last week, where he was asked basically the question about long term contract. You know, he's interested. Obviously, he's interested in signing a long term deal. He. Uh, he said it takes basically two to tango, and from all indications, are there really hasn't been any discussions. You know, JJ said last year, late last year, they had had very, very preliminary discussions on a longer deal with Witt, and um, I did talk to him on 
over the weekend, JJ, and he declined to comment about any kind of talks he's had with Pasquantino. So I, I, I think Sam hit it on the head with they're having more internal talks about that more than discussion with their agents. Um, but, you know, Vinny, Vinny's open to it. And I think any player would be open to it if it's the right deal. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, please. Uh, but the uh, designating Hunter Dozier uh, was the first big financial decision the Royals have made in the John Sherman era of ownership. And whether it's to DFA and eat the money or sign a you know sign a player to a long term deal. So we don't yeah. have many, we don't have many clues is what I'm trying to get at about uh, uh, about John Sherman's ownership and when it comes to the big financial decisions. Roster wise, yes, um, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's there's other financial pieces in play as far as them paying the minor leaguers during the COVID year. Um, obviously, we've got a stadium in play, but I think Blair, you're just referring to the roster stuff, and yeah, yeah. I think it's the most significant telling sign that. Um, they did not, my understanding is they did not receive any blowback at all. You know, it was just, if you think this is the right move, then that's the right move. Mm -hmm. you know, the, the salary, you know, is, is a complete non-factor in a move like that. But I don't know if that's different than it, than it used to be. Um, I think it's perhaps a, a little bit of a difference, but, you know, obviously they went through this with Car Carlos Santana last year as well. The difference was, I think, Santana was on the final year of his deal. They felt like if he got hot, that they would be able to move him, which they did. He got hot for a month. They were able to move him to Seattle with Dozier having nine million on the hook next year. I don't think a three week stretch was going to change his market all that much. It's a good point. Um, the reason I bring it up is the the Royals' largest uh, long term contracts that they've ever uh, awarded. Uh, and Alex Gordon is the most expensive. Remember, four years, $72 million that was signed in January of 2016. So in the afterglow of the World Series, Alex Gordon was never the same at the plate. Now he had the injury, the, the terrible injury in, in Chicago early that season, but he just never recovered at the plate. Um, that same offseason, around the same time, the Royals signed Ian Kennedy to a five-year, $70 million deal. Also turned out to be – Cost him a first-round pick, too. Yep. yep. <laughs> Bad moves. And and um, older Royals fans, like Pete and me, will remember the Gilmesh signing. Um, that was in 2006, five years, $55 million. There have been other long-term deals in and around those, but those are – those are ones that's, that stand out to me as the, the uh, what what happens when the cigar blows up in your face. And yeah, and those those are guys that all were in free agency, right? So that's that right. was at, that was at a point where there was competition for their players, and it wasn't just internal discussions on guys. But you know, Alex Gordon signed a deal in this same situation. Like he signed a deal to wipe out his final year of arbitration as well and move into free agency too. Whit Merrifield did that. Um, he's still on that deal, actually. Um, Salvador Perez did that. It's such a bargain for the team that, you know, Dayton Moore, you know, used his heart, I think, more than his head in, in, in ripping up his deal and giving him a new deal at that point. Um, but they've done this before to some success. Hunter Dozier is just not one of those examples. 
That deal, mesh deal was a good deal for the Royals, I thought, uh, especially when he decided to retire and forego that last year of his. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I just don't want the money. Uh, I'd rather not pitch. Here, take the eleven million. I don't want it. I don't deserve it. That was the conversation that actually happened. So, and listen, all the guys that I mentioned, the aforementioned guys, were established guys, right? I mean, they, they had been in, in Alex Gordon had just, you know, hit the first or second most famous home run in Royals history, and um, Ian Kennedy had been a well-established pitcher. So, this is different when we talk about the the, the young players. It's much riskier, actually, because Gordon, Kennedy, Mesh, they all had a body of work to judge, and that's just not the case with the young talent. Well, you know, one thing I, one thing I like, Blair, about the new regime and how they're going about things, from what I've heard, they would hold on to veteran players and you just let them continue to stall out. Um, but as you saw with Dozier, Framil, Reyes, and others, they kind of got rid of them and are, are allowing the younger players to come here and grow and, like you say, get that valuable experience that they needed. So I think that was the big reason why they got rid of Dozier, other than the fact that, you know, he wasn't hitting, but they wanted to give his best to someone that could use him. My thing that I'm going to see going forward is how do you balance the, the similarities between the players that you have? Because you have Nick Prado and Vinny Pasquantino, and they're both like first basemen. But one has to play outfield because, you know, the spot is taken. You can't play them at the same at the same time in the same spot. Um, same thing at shortstop where you have Bobby Witt, you have Mikel Garcia that can play either short, second, maybe third, Nicky Lopez. So you're trying to get all these young, talented core players on the field, but they don't not really they don't have like a designated home. So how do they create that so that they can feel more comfortable? knowing that, hey, every day I'm playing this position and I can go out and just be myself. So that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. All right, guys. That's a great conversation. I uh, really appreciate it. And uh, we will talk Royals again soon. Maybe maybe they'll have a winning week. Um, I, I think we should leave on this stat, though. Uh, Pete, you did cover the, the three games in Chicago over the weekend. What does that bring your record uh, to covering the Royals this season? Oh, thanks for bringing that up, Blair. Yeah, 0 and 13. I've been to 13 games to cover, and uh, oh. they haven't won. You you take that out of their their record, and I think they're what 14 and 21 or 22. Oh, they're in. They're contending. They're in the heart of the central race. They're cruising for fourth place in that that kind of year. <laughs> thanks, Blair. <laughs> it's really it's amazing. So. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you again soon. That'll do it for today. Thanks to producer Randy Mason for putting together the show and to our Sportsbeat Casey staff of Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Sam McDowell, Jalen Thompson, and Pete Radhoff for sharing their insights. Morning Sports Edition has you covered in a digital sports section way. 30 pages today on the Royals, the NBA and NHL playoffs, and so much more. Check it out at liveedition.com. KansasCity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day. <laughs>